0: Hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Trent. I'm the lead pastor here at Epic Church. I want to thank you for joining us online today. As many of you know, because of the coronavirus, our schools are closed until at least April 15th, if not longer. So what that means for us as a church is that we cannot hold our typical Sunday gatherings at Buddy Taylor Middle School. But that does not mean that we have to stop being the church. As we've always said, the church is more than a building. It's more than a location. It's people. So, even though we can't meet in our typical gatherings, we can still pursue God. We can still pray for each other. We can still encourage each other and work to serve each other. We've got a lot of opportunities to do that during this pandemic. So one of the things that you could do is reach out to family and friends and see how they're doing. You could also check in with an elderly neighbor to make sure they have the resources that they need to make it through this time of crisis. You could support a local business and help them navigate these complex, uncertain times. You could even tell people where you bought the last of toilet paper from. And I know that sounds crazy, but we could serve people even at that level. There are all kinds of opportunities for us to serve people in this time of need and be for them. If you're personally struggling right now, if you've got a prayer request, if you'd like to speak with someone about your specific need, we'd love to hear from you. All you have to do is reach out to us at info at theepicchurch.com. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. And we'd love to help you take whatever next step is that you may need to take. Also, if you would like to keep up to date on how we are serving our church family and serving our community during this time, just go to our website at theepicchurch.com where you can sign up on our homepage for our email updates. And when you get those email updates, it'll give you information about how we are engaging children, how we're engaging students, how we're engaging our church family and our community during this time of crisis. We want to make sure everyone is connected and informed as we walk through this. So next week, we're gonna have Celebration Sunday and we're gonna celebrate what God has done in us and through us as a church family through our Four Flagler series that we did back in February. In that series, we talked about the big vision that God has for us as a church and the ways that he's asking us to step into our community and serve them in bigger ways. And this crisis that we're walking through right now is highlighting the importance of some of the things that we talked about. It's highlighting the importance of a care network where we can help people get access to the resources that they need. It's highlighting the importance of a counseling center where we can guide people through anxiety and depression and isolation that they may feel. And it's highlighting the importance of us having a permanent home where we can serve our community better from. So God has done some amazing things and we're going to celebrate that next Sunday. I hope you'll join us. Also, I'd like to thank all of you who give and continue to give during these difficult times. In difficult moments like this, people are often looking for answers and they're trying to figure out where God is in all of this. And we would love to help them find those answers in Jesus Christ. And you can help us do that by supporting us financially. When you go to theepicchurch.com, you can give securely there. You can also text to give, 84321, any amount when you select Epic Church of Palm Coast. i want to thank you again for joining us this morning and i'm going to pray in just a moment and then we're going to continue on with our service but before i pray let me remind you that god is in control that god is for you and he's going to see all of us through this together so let's pray together So God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather through technology. Lord, even though we may not be able to meet in person, we can still meet through technology and we can continue to serve you. We can continue to serve other people in our community during this time of need. So Lord, I pray that you would guide us in how best to do that. Keep our eyes open to those many opportunities that we have. I pray that you would speak powerfully today as we continue on in our Deadly Beliefs series. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, Hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff and we are so glad that you're here with us today. As you know, because of the coronavirus, we are unable to meet at Buddy Taylor Middle School, but that's all right. We are streaming into your home today and uh, don't worry about that. Uh, we don't see anything. So if you are still in your pajamas or you have a messy home, well, I can see some of your houses, but don't worry. About, no, I can't. But anyways, if your house is a mess, that's okay. If your children are loud, that's all right. We just want you you to sit on the couch and enjoy church today. So thank you so much for being here uh, today. And then seriously, uh, today I'm excited because we are going to talk about a truth that if we embrace, if all of us embrace this truth, can change all of our lives, regardless of what you believe. So I'm excited to unpack that truth with you today. Now, if you haven't been with us today, we are in part three of our message series uh, entitled Deadly Beliefs. So today we are continuing to examine uh, our Deadly Beliefs uh, series. And so we are in part three of our message series called Deadly Beliefs. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been checking out these beliefs that shape our lives because beliefs have the power to shape our relationships, our health, our faith, our lives, and our politics, and just about every aspect of our lives. And so, for the last two weeks, Trent has uh, and Brian have done an amazing job of unpacking these two premises uh, for our series. And the two premises that we have been looking at is what we believe matters. And then, if we don't live believing the truth, we'll die believing a lie. And so, if you haven't seen both of those messages, uh, I highly encourage you to check it out on our website at theepicchurch.com. And either watch it or listen to it as well. Now, today we are going to be taking on a very uh, deadly belief that is so detrimental to our lives. And this belief uh, has the power to really uh, just be so detrimental to us. Because what happens with it is that it's very subtle because it lies just beneath the surface. Sometimes uh, we're aware of it. Sometimes others are aware of it. But often we usually ignore or stuff these beliefs just below the surface. And often when we kind of bump up against something, uh, it brings back a past memory or brings back an experience uh, that uh, just all of a sudden uh, brings these emotions back and hits us like a train wreck. And so uh, let me share with you, for example, an experience I had when I was growing up. And so when I was growing up, um, my grandfather was an amazing grandfather. And so he would come down from Michigan and um, he would come down and visit us in Florida almost just about every single year. And when he would visit us, uh, he made you feel like you were his only grandchild. And yet there were 15 of us between Michigan and Florida. And so he would go to school, uh, walk me to school every single morning. He would also um, just meet all the different crossing guards and the teacher's aides and all my teachers. And then he would come to lunch and sit down with me and my friends and he would get to know them. And then he would go to my baseball games and cheer me on. And so everybody would always ask me, when is your grandfather coming back? Uh, Because he was just so kind and he made such an impression On them. And then when I would go up to Michigan, uh, one of the favorite things that uh, we would do is that he would take us on these wagon rides. And uh, he, when we, especially when we were young and we would go downtown and we would meet all the shop owners. And when we go into a shop owner, they would say, Hmm, you must be the ones from Florida and you must be the one who plays baseball because my grandfather had this amazing technology. He would pull out his wallet and in there, he would have these 15 plastic uh, sheets that had our pictures in it. And he would show them all the time and talk about us all the time. And so if you knew my grandfather, then you knew us. And so it was just a really special treat. And one of my other favorite things that he would do with us is that he would, uh, in each morning, uh, have us, Uh, put up the American flag each morning. So he was a sergeant uh, during World War II. And so every morning we would line up and we would all of a sudden... have to stand at attention, and he would go and get the flag, and then he would unroll it from its pole, and we would say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we would fall into line, and we would march out through the front door and onto the porch, and then we would put the flag in its place, and we would salute it, and then we would march on back, and then the detail was dismissed. And so it was just an amazing time that we really, really enjoyed, and it was just something special. And then at the end of the evening, um, or at At the end of the day, we would go out, retrieve the flag, and then put it back behind its door again. Now, growing up, I never heard my grandfather talk about World War II. And uh, near the end of uh, his life, uh, it started to come out a little bit. Right at the end of his life, when he was dying, he had moments where he started to lose his memory, unfortunately. And he would share some of the experiences that he had in World War II. And you always detected a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt when he went in and out. And one of my aunts, after he died, said that only one time had she ever heard him talk about World War II. And so he was stationed on the West Coast uh, to defend the West Coast from Japan. And near the end of the war, uh, he was called up to go clean up some of the islands where there, were, there was fighting. And so as he was there, uh, he saw things that he never wanted to speak about again. And my aunt said, as he talked about those things, he started to get down. And if you knew my grandfather, he never got down, never. And so he almost spoke in essence as if he was ashamed and almost like he couldn't forgive himself for not doing more. And he wanted to change things, but he couldn't. Now I share that with you is because uh, for so many of us, we struggle with forgiving ourselves. My grandfather's regret was that he didn't do more. Now for some of us, some of us, we struggle with a lot more than that. For some of us, we struggle with uh, maybe not, uh, for maybe crossing lines that we thought we would never cross. Or maybe we struggle with uh, lying to people that we never thought we would lie to. Or maybe we struggle uh, and have done this. Maybe we have um, been able to uh, do something that we thought we would never do with another person. Or sometimes we have found ourselves cheating to attain a certain grade or to attain a certain position. And sometimes we've simply just flat out lied to make some money. Or sometimes we've hurt someone, maybe a child, maybe one of our kids, maybe our spouse, or maybe uh, a parent uh, because we said some words that we can never take back. And so some of us uh, have even gone to the point of ruining our marriages because we cheated and we were the ones who cheated. Or for some of us, maybe we even got to the point where we hurt others because we simply would not admit that we have a problem with alcohol or drugs or pornography. You know, isn't that what we all face at some level in our lives? Isn't there something in our lives that we wanna go back and change, but we can't? And when we bump up against those things that remind us of those things, we're reminded with shame and regret that we cannot go back and change those things. Even if God forgives us, even if we come to accept that, even if we come to accept that others forgive us, don't we wonder if we can forgive ourselves? Isn't there something deep down within us that tells us that we can't forgive ourselves? Isn't there something that just lies beneath and controls us and impacts our lives now and forever? And so today I wanna take on the deadly belief that I can't forgive myself. And so that's where we're gonna go today. If you would, go ahead and turn to Colossians 2.13 in your Bibles or your YouVersion app. And I just wanna warn you up front, uh, up front, we won't be able to forgive ourselves. Yeah, you heard me right, we can't. But there is an alternative, and that's what I want to speak about today. And so if you would, go ahead and turn to Colossians 2.13 in your Bibles or your YouVersion app. Uh, Today we're going to learn from a man who did so much in his past that we won't believe what he did. And yet he was able to find peace and forgiveness. So go ahead and turn to Colossians 2.13, and I'll give you a moment to get there. Now, let me give you a little background information on the letter uh, who wrote this, the person who wrote this. After Jesus came back to life from the dead um, and went back to heaven, hundreds and hundreds of Jews became Christ followers. And the reason that they did is because they saw Jesus uh, die. They saw Jesus come back to life. And so they became Christ followers after he returned to heaven from coming back from the grave. And so there was this man named Paul who was uh, also known as Saul of Tarsus. And uh, his task, uh, prior to becoming Paul, he was a religious leader who was tasked with hunting down uh, Christ followers. And so he was really good at this, okay? So he started to arrest them and torture them and even had people killed under his leadership. And so he did all of this because he believed that Jesus was not the Messiah until one day when he came face to face with the Messiah, And so that encounter changed his life. Now, if there's a person who would have ever struggled with forgiving himself, it would have been Paul, okay? And even if Paul had come to accept that God had forgiven him, even if he came to accept that those that he persecuted had forgiven him, what would Paul do with the shame and regret that would have plagued his life for the actions that he could not redo, So you see, when we do wrong against someone, it creates a debt in the relationship. Something is owed. We owe the other person. For example, let's say you steal somebody's watch, okay? And then all of a sudden you break it by accident. And that person that you stole the watch from finds out that it's you, And they come to understand that you broke the watch and they forgive you. And then you find out what type of watch it was. And so you go about trying to find that watch, you find the exact uh, one to replace it and you go and you return it. So in that case, your debt is canceled. But let's say the watch that you stole uh, was that person's grandfather's watch and his grandfather gave him that watch. Well, in that case, no matter how hard you try to find the exact same watch, it's not the same exact watch. And so you can't be forgiven. You can't fulfill the debt that is there. The only way that you could do that is to go back and change the past. So that's why we all whether you believe in God or not. That's why we all struggle with at some level forgiving ourselves uh, because we can't go back and change the past. And that's why uh, we end up living with this shame and regret that kind of plagues us and cancels um, our, we can't cancel the sin that's in our lives. That's why you hear some people say, you know, um, I did this in my past and I just can't forgive myself. Or they say, you know what? I'm just trying to learn how to forgive myself. Now, after a while, shame and guilt eventually pop up their ugly heads and they continue to pop up as we run into them. And eventually shame and regret, um, turn into, um, just unhappiness and depression and even, um, just discouragement with ourselves, anger with ourselves, maybe anger with others, uh, because there's this album that plays over and over and over again and again of shame and regret just beneath the surface surface of our minds. So God doesn't want that for you. And he's done something about it. And so today uh, we're going to find out what he has done because Paul found that out. And I want you to be able to experience that as well. And so let's begin in Colossians 2.13. Uh, so go ahead and uh, turn there. And so in Colossians 2.13, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So who is Paul talking to? Okay, well, he's talking to all of us. He, at some point in our lives, before we entered into a relationship with God, we were all separated uh, from God we had no intention to moving towards God. It's kind of like this. Um, I have four children. And I remember each time that each of them started to crawl. And after a while, when they began to crawl, they would start to go after something on the other side of the room that they weren't supposed to touch. And every time they approached that, I would say no. And then I would go and retrieve them. And then when I came back uh, and put them down, I would try to distract them with something else. But you know what they ended up doing? Yep, you're right, going right on back to that same thing and trying to touch it. Now, here's something else that happened after that, that started to develop. Uh, As we did that, they would go back to try to touch that object. And instead of touching it, they would pause and then look exactly back to see if you were looking. And they would look you right in the eyes and then they would reach out and touch the object. And so that's the type of nature that we have. We don't want to do anything that God wants us to do. We wanna do it our way. And so what is God's response to us when we wanna reach out and keep going back to something? Well, he strikes us down with lightning. No, he doesn't do that, okay? Instead, without hesitancy, he moves towards us. He comes after us. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our lives. He doesn't wait for us to be forgiven. Instead, he sent his only son to die on the cross while we were yet sinners to pay the price for our sins so that we could have freedom, freedom from our debt, freedom from um, our sin, freedom from uh, shame and regret because he doesn't want that for us. And so Paul continues in Colossians 2.13. He says this, after we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, he says, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave you. And what's that word? Yeah, all. I heard some of you say that. So he says that he forgave all our sins. Now, what does all mean? Okay, well, it means that, that he forgave you of all the sins that you ever committed against God. It means that he forgave you of all the sins that you committed against others. It means that he has forgiven you of all the sins that you've committed against yourself. Now, some of you are saying, now, wait a second. You know, I'm a Christ follower. Like, why do I continue to feel this guilt and I continue to feel like I need to say, God, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. Well, Paul goes a little deeper into the meaning of all. Let's check it out. Verse 14, he, that's God, he canceled the record of the charges. And you're thinking, what charges? I mean, I know I got a couple of parking tickets. I don't have a record, you know? I mean, what charges is he talking about? What record is he talking about? Well, if you were uh, back in Paul's day, you would understand exactly what he's saying here. What he's saying here is if you wanted to do a business transaction with someone, you had to write down all of your debt and sign. It wasn't enough just for you to have your signature, Every business transaction, you had to list your debt. It didn't matter. And so you were well aware of the debt that was in your life. And that's what Paul is alluding to. And so he continues, and let's unpack this. In verse 14, God canceled the record of the charges. Now, if you were in the crowd back then, I mean, you would have been like Facebook streaming this. I mean, it would have been like live. This is like great news, okay? Okay. So God canceled your record of the charges against you and took it, who took it? God took it, okay? God took it and what did he do with it? He took it away by nailing it to the cross and Jesus' blood, his death on the cross paid for your debt. Now let that sink in for a moment, okay? When we put our faith in Jesus, His blood covers all of our sin. His blood paid the price for you. And so we don't owe God anything. We don't owe anything else to anyone else. We don't owe ourselves. All debt has been canceled and paid in full by God himself. Now, what does that mean? Well, you have to forgive yourself, you know, or I'm sorry, you don't have to forgive yourself. Yourself has already been forgiven. So let's say that, or let's see that together, say it together with me. You don't have to forgive yourself. Yourself has been forgiven. Now, some of you are like, man, that sounds great. Some of you grammar experts are like, that doesn't sound great because it's wrong. Yourself um, has already been forgiven. I did that on purpose because sometimes we do things on purpose and we sin, and that's been forgiven. All of our sins. So God, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus gives us a standing, a right standing and he forgives our past, he forgives our current sins and he forgives our future sins. But you're like, well, don't I still need to ask for forgiveness from God and from others? You do because it's like real time right now. And in order to maintain a relationship with others, it's a good thing to ask for forgiveness. It's kind of like this. Uh, I have four children, three sons and a daughter. And no matter what, I am their father, okay? That will never change. That dynamic will never change. So when you become a Christ follower, you have a heavenly father. He's forgiven you of all your sins. But sometimes with my earthly children, they do some things that are wrong and they need to ask for forgiveness so that we have a great relationship right now. And so that's simply what's happening. But we need to understand that we have a right standing. Now that sounds like, too good to be true. Well, Paul agrees, and he further writes about this. In Romans 8, uh, verse 31, he says, "'What shall we say about such wonderful things as these?' If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ. Jesus died for us, so we can't even condemn ourselves, and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So the outstanding question is this, how do we move on from our past? How do we not replay that same album over and over again and again of regret and shame and be stuck in this endless loop of I can't forgive myself? Well, this is part of what we need to do. We need to renew our mind in this truth that we've been talking about. Paul wrote in Romans 12, too, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And in this case, the world says, hey, just stuff it, or you just have to continue to work on forgiving yourself. Well, that's not true. That's a deadly belief, okay? And it gets us nowhere. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. So let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been to Washington, D.C.? All right, there's three of us in the room that have, okay? And I know a lot as well in your living room. But, um... You know, when you go there, there are tons of monuments that have been built uh, for the founding fathers and also to remember all the uh, great wars that have happened and the people that lost their lives. Uh, So it's a marker to remember what they did for us and the courage that they had uh, in our nation's history. And so let me give you a little quiz. Think about the Washington Memorial. Uh, Who is that built in honor of? Yeah, you're right. George Washington, not a trick question, okay? Um, What about the Lincoln Memorial? Who's that built for? Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. Well, there are some memorials in our lives that aren't so good. And we've built built them with shame and regret. And those memorials need to come down. And we need to build instead new memorials. Because the truth is, if we have put our faith in Jesus, Our sins have been forgiven, all of them. But now we have to integrate that truth in our life so we don't keep going back to some old monuments, some things that aren't so good. It's like this. I had a friend who uh, was struggling uh, with his past and he finally got to the point where he accepted that God had forgiven him. He even had a person uh, that he had sinned against forgive him as well. But he could not forgive himself. So, a lot of the things I shared with you today, uh, I shared with him. And as he heard them, I said, You know, all that's left for you to do is simply to accept and acknowledge the truth of what God has already done. Have you ever prayed back to God and thank him for what he has already done in your life? And then he said, no. And so I said, well, let me just guide you in a prayer like this. Because if you wanna get away from the shame and regret, you've gotta acknowledge the truth. Don't keep going backwards, but acknowledge what God has done. And so the prayer that I wanna share with you went something like this. God, thank you for canceling all my debt. And I recognize that because you have forgiven me, I don't owe you. I don't owe anyone else. I don't owe myself. Thank you for having already canceled all my debt. I don't need to forgive myself because you've already forgiven me when I put my faith in you, Jesus. And after he prayed that prayer, he started to tear up. And he just felt the shame and the regret start to dissipate because he started to build a new memorial for his life. And that day he decided to move on and base his life on Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And so that pretty much just says my debt was nailed to the cross. I don't owe God. I don't owe others and I don't owe myself. And so let's say that together. My debt was nailed to the cross. I don't owe God I don't owe others and I don't owe myself. Now that was kind of wimpy. I need to hear a little bit louder from home, okay? So let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. My debt was nailed to the cross. I don't owe God, I don't owe others and I don't owe myself. So what I wanna ask you is where are you at today? Is there something in your past where you have been saying, I can't forgive myself? Well, that's true. You can't forgive yourself, but God through the cross can. And so maybe you've been coming and checking out this whole God thing, you know? And today you've come to realize that you can't forgive yourself. Maybe you've tried and you've tried and you tried. And as you've listened to this message today, you've just realized that, you know what? I can't, but I wanna do something about it. And here's the case. Our debt will remain there And will not be canceled unless it is covered by Jesus's blood who came and died for us so that our debt could be canceled with God. And so today in a moment, if you would love to have your debt canceled once and for all, then as I close in prayer, uh, there will be a time where you can pray to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, for others of you uh, who are Christ followers, you have been allowing that record of shame and regret to play over and over and over again in your lives. And you've been stuck in this endless loop. Today, you need to demolish that memorial and you need to create a new memorial. You need to accept and acknowledge the truth that all your sins have been forgiven by God. You don't have to do anything more. And so just like my friend, you just have to simply pray and acknowledge this truth that God, you have forgiven me of all my sins. Thank you for doing that. And if those thoughts ever come back, you just memorize Colossians 2, 13 and 14, and you continue to focus your life on those truths and that new memorial in your life. And so what I want to do here is uh, close in prayer. And as I close in prayer, uh, there's two parts of the prayer that I'd like uh, for you to engage. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, then today, let's make that the thing that you want to do. And then um, if you have been struggling with this endless loop of shame and regret, and then I just want to lead you in a prayer that I led my friend with where you can find peace and rest by acknowledging this truth in your life. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, what you are doing. And if there's someone out there who has been struggling with the sense of, I can't forgive myself, that's true, we can't. And if they have never put their trust in you and made you Jesus, their Lord and Savior, then here's what I want you to do. In this time, you talk to him and you just simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for coming back to life from the dead. Will you forgive me of all my sins? Will you cancel my debt? Would you become my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that, then he is your Lord and Savior and your debt is forgiven. Now, if you're a Christ follower and you've been struggling, I just want you to pray this. Say, God, thank you so much for canceling all my debt. I never realized that. And so today, God, I acknowledge that you have made a way by sending your son to die on the cross. And that covers all my sins, even the things that I hold against myself. Thank you for doing that. And today I am putting my trust in your truth that I don't need to be forgiven because I'm already forgiven. So thank you, God. So I hope that you have been able to find a little more peace in your life today. And then I just want to thank all of you for tuning in today uh, for our service. And then I just want to remind you next week we're going to celebrate what uh, God has been doing through Four Flagler, and also continue on in our series called "Deadly Beliefs." And we're so glad that you've been here with us today, let's go out and continue to be for our community in this time as we're fighting this virus. Call a friend. Uh, be kind to your servers, uh, write them a nice note, thank those people who are on the front lines and the grocery stores and everything, and just go out of your way to show them your appreciation for what they are doing. And if you come across someone uh, who is uh, hopeless in this situation, talk to them, pray with them, invite them to watch online. So thank you so much for being here today.